Hi, my name is Ivana Stradner, and I'm a Jean Kirkpatrick Fellow at American Enterprise Institute. And I'm so pleased to be joined by Dali Borahaj, who is a scholar at AI, and whose research centers on the transatlantic partnership. Dalibor, you recently wrote a piece, The Case for Disaggregating the European Union, where you argue that it is time to stop thinking of the body as one union. So can you please tell our audience um, something more about this article? Sure. For many years, European integration was seen as a process that ought to lead eventually to a form of political unification. Through its iterative crises and challenges, that, that the blog encountered, the EU's institutional architecture would have been completed at some point. The euro would lead to a genuine fiscal union. Passportless travel within the Schengen area would lead sooner or later to a common visa and asylum policy. Yet, the events of the past decade have put that idea to rest. There is no indication that all EU members are evolving to some common political union. As a result, the EU needs a new more flexible approach to integration, one that acknowledges that, once, that one size does not fit all, one that accepts that the EU is not a monolith, but a number of integration projects that run in parallel and are potentially separable. There's a single market, there's the common currency, there's the Schengen area of passportless travel, there's the cooperation on defense and security, and so on and so forth. Those are different, different areas of policy that do not need to be bundled so tightly together. But don't you think that the EU need to stand united in the face of global challenges? Of course, that would be ideal. But you can't create artificial unity where there is disagreement. As a result, there have to be ways for coalitions of countries within the EU that want to work together to do so without being held back by others. It took the EU two months to impose sanctions on Lukashenko's regime after the election that he stole, simply because Cyprus decided to block it. The frictions that are entailed by uh, that have been entailed by the EU's acceptance of its pluralistic, multifaceted nature should not be compared against the idea of, of a united Europe, which is clearly unattainable, but against its current reality, in which many desirable initiatives are being held back and are derailed constantly, and where policies are too often defined by the lowest common denominator. I see. Uh, but the EU was founded with the aim of building an ever closer union. Are you saying it should give up on that goal? In a way, yes. And prior to the Maastricht Treaty, the European project was known as European communities in plural. And that pluralism ought to be embraced again by European leaders. And in fact, over the past decade, it has oftentimes been embraced. The solution to the Eurozone crisis, for instance, involved the creation of an entire new mechanism of emergency financing which is outside of the scope of european treaties and uh, it has also placed eurozone finance ministers so not the, the the council of the eu but 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 the eurogroup at the center of the decision making process and i think that sort of disaggregation and having multiple centers of decision making is the path forward for the eu as a whole mm -hmm. So, what would a differentiated integration mean for the EU's relations with the UK, for example? In, in 2016, British voters decided to leave the European Union. But clearly, going forward, the UK will still want to participate in many aspects of the European project. It will want to maintain its market access. Uh, there is also a strong case for 
very close coordination between the EU and the UK on matters of security and defense, since the UK is one of the few real military powers in Europe. And the question for, for, for policymakers about the EU-UK relationship is not a binary one. On both sides, there ought to be enough flexibility to accommodate the UK's participation in those aspects of the European project the British choose to embrace without forcing the UK to be part of those elements of, 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 the, of the European project that it doesn't want to be part of. Mm -hmm. And how about climate change? Don't we need all countries to reduce emissions together? In principle, yes. Addressing climate change requires a high degree of international coordination to prevent so-called carbon leakage from countries that have committed themselves to reducing their carbon footprint to other jurisdictions that have taken a more lax approach. Uh, but given the realities of the EU at the present, it's much better to have a subset of countries that can act ambitiously on their own uh, than to hope for EU-wide action, which ends up being thwarted by countries such as Poland or the Czech Republic, which have openly defied the, the sort of climate agenda. Mm -hmm. Okay, Dalibor, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation and for sharing with our audience like why it is time to stop thinking of the EU as one union. Um, and I hope you also enjoyed this conversation. Ivana, thank you.